Founders face mentors and masters. I'm Captain Hawk, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Horses. I am excited to say that today we have Chala Dinkoy, CEO of The Repositioning Expert. She is an author. Her book is called Gentle Marketing, and she is a marketing strategist. And I have a huge respect for what she's done. She has amazing insights. She's also worked with some of the biggest brands out there on their messaging and positioning. These include Pepsi, Frito-Lay, Pizza Hut, you name it, she's been there. Chala, welcome to the show. And can you tell us a little about your background? Well, thank you for having me. I love this energy that you're doing. You know, this is like the Zoom kind of energy because you got to do like the upper half. <laughs> I love it. I love it like this, right? We we're going to do that. Absolutely. I'm a high energy guy. People know that. But I, I love that even the still photos like that. That's awesome. You've taught me something already, Steve. I don't know. We want to tap your brain. Give us a one sentence or two sentences about your background that we don't know. All right. Well, I used to sell cemetery property when I was a student. That's probably something nobody really knows. And, uh, but that's not where it started. Okay. Let me just. Oh my God. You, you can I sell know. cemetery property. You can sell anything. Exactly. You know, when my clients tell me, Steve, oh, it's so hard to pick up the phone. I'm like, I sold cemetery property when I was a teenager. Don't tell me that. Yeah. So today what I do for a living after 18 years of working for all those big brands that you talked about, I'm an elevator pitch coach. So I actually have another podcast that you didn't even come on. It's called polish my pitch. And I go to these enormous ginormous before COVID um, matchmaking events between B2B businesses. And they would be like business orgies where people are just, you know, pitching and pitching and pitching and pitching. So that's where I, you know, started to hone in on what I now call my super niche. And that's what I teach people is how do you position yourself into the gap in the market around the super niche for a very specific problem that you solve, very expensive problem that you solve for a very specific group of people. And how do you position yourself, which is why I'm called the repositioning expert. And then how do you pitch with that as your one liner? So that's in a nutshell, what I do for a living. That's fantastic. Now this is really useful because I go to a lot of networking events, mm. all the entrepreneurs I work with go to these networking events, the business people I know, we're all meeting people and a big mistake I make it myself, but a lot of people I know make is that they can't say what they do concisely. And yeah. if you're, you know, if you're at these networking events, honestly, you have maybe a couple minutes to really make an impact on the person. And then <laughs> they're going to want to move on because like you said, it's an orgy of networking and everybody's going everywhere. You know, it's not about talking to you for half an hour or an hour. Right. They want to talk to you for a few minutes. And then if, then you want it to stick in their head. So give us some insights, like Let's yeah. say we go to an event and we meet somebody and we give them one or two sentences. How do we do that effectively? So I actually wrote a book about what you just said. I'm not talking about the gentle marketing book. I wrote another book called how to make anyone like you in seven seconds or less. So clearly it worked because you, <laughs> you still like me. You had me on your show, but the clincher is really that 70% of human beings purchase based on pain. 
they, human beings, and I did the research for the book, like to talk about themselves so much. They are so in love with themselves. And I don't care how humble you are. I don't care. It's just a psychological need that they, in psychological testing, would prefer, you know, talking about themselves more than money or chocolate, you know, like they just even food, they just would rather. So we use those psychological levers in marketing. So in the first 30 seconds of when you're introducing yourself, the formula to the perfect elevator pitch, as I like to say, is that you first have to figure out who, who you help. Right. And you have to be very specific because generic loses people. So specific, who you help, and then what is their pain? Because again, 70% of humans purchase based on pain. And they're um, biologically wired to look for danger all the time. So when you're talking about something that's dangerous to them, which is their pain, it's something they've, they're struggling with, they're losing money or sleepover. And all of a sudden there's this woman talking or man talking in front of you about exactly what you're you know wrestling with day in day out and they're saying that they're an expert in the solution they're like can i have your card can we have a meeting that is what i do for a living is i help people get to every time they open their mouth it's like can i have a meeting that's what we all need right because you know we're out there meeting people and we want to do it in a natural way we don't want to seem salesy or like we're pushing our product on them so you meet somebody at an event, how can you get to what their pain is so that you can see if it's a match for you quickly? Aha, now you're getting to the tip of the iceberg. So the elevator pitch is actually the tip, right? The underneath what's below the, the uh, water is all the strategy that you don't see, which is what I create. And first of all, you should not be in front of anyone you are not targeting. You should not be at an event where 70% or more of your actual target market is not hanging out. Therefore, you should not be opening your mouth and doing that elevator speech to anybody other than your target. And if you are, you might as well just compliment their hair and move on or ask where the bathrooms are or you know where the food is because it's not for you. That's not for them. So that's the first mental hurdle that people have to get over is that you have to, in order to, to grow, you need to shrink your focus. So then once you're in front of the right person, then you have studied them to death. I mean, that's what we do. The strategy is, of course, not only have you studied their problem, but you're becoming an expert. You've become an expert and your content proves that you're an expert in their problem. So as soon as you open your mouth in front of the person that you've studied for all this time and have created content and have interviewed and have worked with and have helped, of course, they're going to know that you can help them and they're going to trust you. And that's what it's all about. Great. So this will work for anybody, anybody out there with a business. When you're out there, you're meeting people, start with the pain. Like, where are they in pain? Exactly. Articulate that. Tell them how you solve that pain. They will remember you. Exactly. Okay, perfect. Thank you. So can you give us some examples of how you've transformed businesses in the past? What's happened? I'll give you an IT company that I love, uh, where I loved working with. They came to me because they were losing, it was several million dollars they were losing because they were losing a client. And we very quickly through this research process that I've developed while I was launching new products at Pepsi, Pizza Hut, Frito-Lay, we found them a super niche of 
helping uh, healthcare call centers reduce the call wait time. I don't know if you've had to call a hospital lately, but apparently people are literally dying on the phone. So we sub-branded that on hold rescue and literally with one landing page and a, and a phone call, she sold $805,000 of that service without hiring anyone or buying anything. It was just, just, we found a gap in the market through that research. And then we positioned into that gap with an existing client that she knew. So that's what's available for people once when they can refine what it is that they do, who they help, and what is that pain in the market? Great. So in this case, people were literally in pain. They needed to get to a doctor. They, the, the company providing the hospitals were in pain because the wait times were huge and it was you know making their customers very upset. So they just identified this. That's the pain point. We can solve this problem. We can cut that wait time down significantly. So that was her elevator pitch. I mean, there's so much pain points that you probably can't even guess, but the research process just flushes that out because you've been in your head for, I don't know how many years, and you've been in your business for how many years, but when all of a sudden you go and you talk to the market in a different frame of pain, you find so much pain and it's expressed in such different ways that you never even thought of. And it's money. Pain is money. So, so what startups need to do really is when they are going out with their products, the first thing they need to do is really research their customers, their target customers, find out where they're hurting, yeah. find out what matters to them. You know, as well as I do, how many have failed because they did not do concept testing. Yes, I know. I tell them, you know, you got to fully engage with your customers at the very earliest point, because if you're building something that they don't absolutely need, like you said, they're not in critical pain, then you're building the wrong product. Nobody wants a nice to have product. Oh, that's nice to have. They don't need it. Nobody needs an extra feature. Oh, that's a great feature. No, they need it when they're hurting. That's when you get them. So it's all about pain, folks. We got it. So let's go next uh, to one of the biggest challenges that you have faced. So is there a challenge in your personal life that you had to overcome? Uh, hello, I lost all my business during COVID. I mean, I'm in Canada. I think I told you this, I can't remember, but you know, I made my living by surprise, surprise speaking, right? That's all I did. Like I just once pick up the phone, 2019, I spoke like once a month, twice a month. And I spoke, I think at 16, 14 uh, conferences in 12 months last uh, on the 2019 and I had my best year and like I have half a VA that I just work out of my living room. I'm just a little girl in Canada, but come 2020, boom, the borders closed and they still, they're still turning people away, even though they're allegedly open, but yeah, I lost all my business. So I had done so much work on mindset. Like I hired so many coaches on mindset because I come from what's well, a name like Chala Dinko, an immigrant background. And I, I was so rooted in, uh, you know, poverty mentality, fear, growth, all that, the stuff that gets in your way. If you're an entrepreneur, like you can't spend on your money. If you're so afraid of, you know, you can't pay the rent. So it all came in to help me 10 years after I invested in all that at the beginning of my business. And even though I had zero prospects and zero clients, I invested more in my business during COVID than any other time, even during the beginning. And it's all come back. It's just been unbelievable. And I'm so blessed. And you know what? It's all mindset. 
So what did you do that actually worked during COVID? I hired coaches. I hired very expensive coaches that taught me how to support my funnels from the stage to online. I ah. hired a team in Kenya who does my LinkedIn marketing. Today, I hired another guy who's setting up a whole other uh, you know, funnel chain for me. And it's just like, I, I, it's all virtual. So tell us, because this is interesting. A lot of my entrepreneurs out there are hurting because of COVID like you, yeah. like a lot of them relied on in-person meetings. Like that's how they sold. That's how they made the connections. That's yeah, that was you. And then all of a sudden they're cut off from that. They have to do everything online. And it's, you know, it's hard to make those connections online. What worked for you? What I do is that I clarify who the target is and what they stand for. That became even more important during COVID because in order, when you're spending money on finding people, you have to really be clear on who the target is and you have to be really, really clear on what you stand for and your, what your message is. So that was all done and set and it proved to me how well it worked. The next thing I did was I learned how to reach out on LinkedIn. So I hired a social selling team. Uh, and again, like I've hired from different countries because they're just so much they're so much better at it and uh, they're so affordable. Give, yeah. give us some real stuff. So what works on LinkedIn? Like how do you reach out to people and actually get them to respond, not just ignore your cold contact on LinkedIn? It's all about messaging, right? It's all about your message and it's all about knowing their pain. So it's all pain-based messaging. And then once you invite them to events that you're running around their pain, then they're sold. That's all it takes is you have to do, you have to have the strategy. That's the, you know, the iceberg, the bottom of the iceberg. You really have to know who is in what kind of pain, because then all you have to do is just reach out to them and tell them, this is, I'm an expert in that pain. So you, you hired an overseas team and that overseas team, what do they do? Do they go out on LinkedIn and do yeah. the research, find out who's in pain? And no, then you no. can send your message to them. So the way that I target that I, the, the way that I teach targeting is either by interest group or industry, because that's how people congregate. Right. And so that's how we uh, reach out by the way that they've already congregated in online. And it used to be in person groups. So then we reach out to them and we know exactly what that industry or interest group problem is and we speak in their language and then we invite them to events either live streams or podcasts or uh you know executive roundtables around the topic of their pain so that's what my you know my team i have a list of industries and interest groups and what problem we solve for them and we have a dm tree which is a direct um, direct message tree so for each different industry we have a different direct message tree that they send out through, uh, you know, the first step, the second step, the third step and the fourth step. And then of course they, it's an invitation to this kind of call. And then we talk, we get to know each other. And then once you get to know each other, then they have more trust. They like you if they do, and then you can tell them how you can help them. And marketing has become a huge need. I'm sure, you know, this. When you get them into the event or the call or whatever, is it a group thing or, is, or do you prefer to do one-on-one? -on -one? 
So for the podcast, I have a podcast funnel. I've got three podcasts. It's one-on-one, but I, I do regularly every two months. I do a masterclass and I'm doing one again in September the 30th. And it's a 90 minute with as many people as I can, where we have like up to 200 people showing up and I polish their pitch. I teach them the step-by-step methodology of how to figure out your target and your niche and then how to message it. So you're solving people's problems live. More people come to you. They say, hey, I I need that. I need what you just did for this other person for me. Wonderful. Now, you said you had an immigrant background. And when you came over here, it was a real struggle when you moved to Canada. Can you talk a little about that and what you learned and went through in the process? You know, sadly, my parents are the immigrants. I'm the child of immigrants, but I was born in Montreal. So I was born here. But the mindset and the mentality has carried. And I bet you even in my 12 year old, I'm teaching him things, but I'm trying so hard to be uh, cognizant of what I'm giving him, what I'm passing on to him, because it's learned, it's learned behavior, it's learned beliefs, and it's limiting beliefs around money. What beliefs were you taught that you found weren't working for you? I have a whole education on this. So the belief that my parents taught me that that limited my business growth was you have to have money to spend it. You have to save money. You never lend it. You never borrow it. Salespeople are crooks. And the basic belief was it is extremely hard to make money. And people who are rich are dishonest. I don't even know if there's any other negative. And they were educated. My mom's a lawyer and my dad's an engineer, right? So they were educated from this developing country called Turkey when they immigrated, you know, and I'm 52. So they immigrated more than 50 years ago, but the beliefs were driving me and they drive us 24 seven. Luckily I have had, have hired overcome that mentality and hired really, really great mindset coaches, but it's like alcoholism. Like you fight it every day. That is so interesting. You know, your parent, our parents program us. They tell us, you know, the worldview, how the world works. And sometimes it's right on and sometimes it's not. It, it's actually some old belief yeah. that they had. And in this case, from their, their old country, uh, that wasn't, didn't really work in the exactly. society we live in. And you had to readjust yourself to yeah. actually. And did that so- happen to you? My father was an academic professor. Mm-hmm. My mother was an artist. So they weren't business people either. So um, really, I was not given the business background that I needed. I had to learn it all like you. Now, I wasn't given negatives. Like they, it, it wasn't as extreme as your case, but I, I really wasn't educated at all. Like it wasn't like I could look at my parents and emulate them. It's tough. So, so I think a lot of people come from that, but like you've proven, like I've proven, it sh- it, if you work on it, it doesn't hold you back. Yeah. Now, before we wrap up, I would like you to tell us the most valuable advice you've ever received. I don't know if it's the most valuable, but I, I certainly like it. It's um, the shorter time it takes to tell people what you do, the more money you make. Interesting. Yes, there is a truth to that. I, I always tell startups, if you can't explain what your business does in, in one sentence, you know, you probably don't have a great business. Because if it takes you 15 minutes to explain what your business does, I'm sorry. You know, it's going to be really hard for you to sell people. Most great businesses, you just look at them, look at their branding, look at their tagline. You know what they do. So let's wrap up. Tell people how they can get a hold of you and what your URL is and what your podcast is. 
Well, I'd like to uh, give everyone a gift of my book, The Gentle Marketing, and that's how you can reach me is repositioner.com slash gift. And if you think you need someone like me in your life and your business, there's also an opportunity to book a call together. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can help us create more great content by subscribing and sharing. Also, if you want to access our online startup program, our investor network, and our entrepreneur resources, just come to founderspace.com.